this journey I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness Is a canvas for your strength And my story isn't over My story's just begun And failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does Yeah, failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does Shame at the door Cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the Father's house Arrival's not the end game The journey's where you are And the story isn't over If the story isn't good Failure's never final When the Father's in the Failure's never final
That's so good, band. We are in the Father's house. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, everyone. My name is Susan, and we're just really glad that you're here today. We've got lots coming up for you, but I get to tell you about a few things real quick. So last weekend, we celebrated Mother's Day, and we asked some of our Kensington kids to create some cards and gifts for their moms. We got some of them sent in, so we really wanted to take just a minute to highlight some of these great gifts and cards that our kids made. And just really give a big thumbs up to you kids because you guys are awesome. Way to honor your mom. Good job. And parents, we want to let you know about something. We have created a Facebook page for your kids to check into while you're watching the service. So if you're willing to share your phone and your iPad, go on to our Kensington Kids Facebook page. There's some activities that your kids can do while they're watching the service that will keep them engaged. They'll be looking for different things and trying to follow along and there's prizes to be won. So we highly recommend that you check that out. You'll be able to watch the service. Your kids will be engaged. It's a win-win. Definitely you're going to want to do that. Technology has been incredibly kind to us, hasn't it? I'm looking at all the things that we're able to do that we've not done before. The services have been amazing. The band has been unbelievably great and all kinds of things that are happening that we never thought we could do outside of the walls of our home. One of those things is our small groups. So I don't know if you've ever considered joining a small group, but I would recommend that you do it now. What a great opportunity for you to stay within your own home on the comfort of your own couch and check out a small group. I'm in one. Mine is called the Friday Girls because we meet every Friday at 8 a.m. rain or shine and we get together, we do our studies, we pray together, we connect. It's the next best thing to being together and I would really encourage you to check it out. There's no better time than right now. So do that, all right? Um, we're going to take just a moment to receive our offering and first and foremost, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being such incredibly generous people during this time because of what you have done and we have really been able to pour into our communities. We've been able to provide, to provide meals, baby formula, many other things that only because of your generosity, we have been able to just pass it along. And you are the hands and feet of Jesus. So we are just very grateful to you for trusting us at this time. I feel like I have never seen this church do more and step into the community more. And I am blessed by it. And we are very grateful that you are partnering with us. We also understand that COVID-19 has financially impacted many of you, and we are praying for you. We want you to know that if there's something that we can help you with, please reach out and call us. We have great resources, and we would love to just come alongside you and help you out in any way that we can. If you are in a position to give, there's three really easy ways to do it here. You can text, you can go onto our app, which by the way, if you haven't yet downloaded our app, you really need to do that. It's just, it's one-stop shopping. You can get the services, you can find out what's happening, you can give. So definitely check out our app. And then the third way you can give is on our website at kensingtonchurch.org forward slash giving. So that's pretty easy, so hopefully we're trying to make things as easy as we can as we go along here. I have a couple more things I want to tell you, and then we're going to get started. If you're new here, we would really love to meet you. Normally, I would be inviting you out to the lobby to meet some of our team, but since we can't do that quite yet, we're asking that you will consider connecting with us via your computer or your phone. If you want to get connected with us, learn anything, have any questions, we would love for you to go online, go to kensingtonchurch.org forward slash hello, and you can fill out a form there and we can get back to you, answer your questions, 
or you can do it really simply. Grab your phone right now, text area code 248-781-2771, text hello, and we will send you some information to get you connected. So please consider giving that a try. All right, I promise we're going to get started. We're starting a new series today. It's called Signs, and we have Dave Wilson from our Orion campus who's going to lead us. It's going to be great. It's We're talking about the miracles of Jesus, and there are so many, and I think Dave is going to take it away with all of that, and he's even agreed to meet you in your own homes, in the comfort of your couch, in your coffee. So Dave, let's get started. This next song we're going to sing is called So Will I, and it paints a really beautiful story of the wonder of God's creation and speaks to the power of his authority over all things seen and unseen. And these things, his creation, his promises, and the miracles he performed in new life and resurrection, all of these reveal the power, the beauty, and the goodness of who Jesus is. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born, in the vapor of your breath the planets form, if the stars are made to worship so light, I can see your heart in Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so So will I. 
So they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left Go, her. Go, let it be done just as you so believe taking it. Hold of the man, and he healed him. He healed him on his way. Our, Our friend Lazarus was falling asleep, but I 
book of John is one of my favorite all-time books in the Bible. I've studied it many times right here in my office to teach uh, what's in there. Why, why do I love it? It's, it's a skeptic's book because the disciple John, who walked with Jesus, writes an account of his life. And at the very end of this book, 21 chapters, in, in chapter 20, he tells us the purpose for writing the book. Not very many authors of the Bible tell us this, but he tells us why he wrote it. And this is where we get the title for our series, Signs. Look at this. It says this in chapter 20, verse 30. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of, his, of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that. So that's a purpose clause. It says, this is why I wrote this. Watch what he says. These are written, these miracles, these signs are written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Here's what he's saying. I've written these things down so that you can believe that Jesus isn't just a man. He's the Son of God. He is God in flesh, the incarnate God in flesh. And if you believe that, you'll have eternal life. It's unbelievable. It's like if you and I believe that Jesus is who he said he was, we have life eternal. It's the greatest life anybody could ever have. And it doesn't start when we die. It starts the second we believe. So what I love about this is it's almost like John is saying, listen, I want to prove to you that this man here, Jesus, is literally the Son of God. And I put signs or clues or evidence all through my book. And so it's almost like you go back. It's like you're in a courtroom. I'm going to prove that this man is the Son of God. And then you read these signs and you go, what's in here that tells us that he literally is the Son of God? You know, back in chapter 10, Jesus says it this way. He says, do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works believe the works that you may know and understand. Look at this, that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. He's claiming deity. The Father and I are one. I'll give you signs. There'll be miracles. There'll be evidence that I and the Father are the same. So here's the thing. Think about what a sign does. You see a street sign? It shows you where to go. It gives you direction. There are arrows on signs that point you certain directions. Now, let me ask you this. What do the miracles, the signs of Jesus point to? I think they point up. See that, see that street sign? They point up. They point up to the Father. They're not just about who he is. It's about who he is in relation to his Father, his Father's God. Every miracle that takes place on earth points to the miracle worker. It's not you or me. It's not a human. It's Jesus. You know, it's interesting. Last week, Ann and I spent five days uh, writing our second book with Zondervan, our publisher, called Vertical, Vertical Parenting. It's going to come out next April, April 13th. Hope you get it. But so we spent the, work, the week working on a book about parenting. It's going to be really cool because our three sons and even our daughter-in-laws are going to comment at the end of each chapter. Like, yeah, this is a bunch of uh, bogus stuff. They didn't do this or what, what works. So I think it's been dynamic that way. But let me tell you this. I've been thinking about a lot of stories about our sons. And I remember one that I just remembered. I've told it here years ago, but it was when my middle son, Austin, was like three or four years old. We had this hamster. And um, we had a really unique name for him. Really, very original. His name was Hamsty. <laughs> That's how creative we are. Hamsty. The thing is, Hamsty got lost. He got out of his cage, and we couldn't find him. And I don't mean for a day or two. Weeks, he was gone. He was somewhere in the house, but he was gone. And every night, Austin and I 
would pray that God would bring Hampstead back from the dead, basically. And we're two or three weeks in, and I know that Hampstead is in a heating duct somewhere in the house, probably like this. Anyway, you get the picture. Kids, I didn't mean to do that, but, but you get the picture. He's gone. He's dead. And, and, and Austin says, we need to pray for Hampstead to come back. And I'm like, Austin, I hate to tell you, but sometimes, you know, your prayers don't get answered. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to pray right now. I'm like, okay, buddy, go ahead and pray. So he closed his eyes. And I don't even close my eyes because this prayer is just, you know, a waste of time. But he prays, God, I pray that you bring Hampstead right back into this room tonight. And I'm not kidding. I'm laying on his bed, sort of rolling my eyes at my son's little, little bitty faith. And I hear this pitter-patter. And I look over on the floor. And there's Hampstead running into the room. He is alive from the dead. <laughs> I don't know how in the world he comes. And Austin just jumps out of bed, runs over there, and puts him back in the cage. And I knew God would raise Hampstead. I mean, I'm telling you, that was a sign that made me go. We both did. We were like, what? just happened. I mean, I'm not saying God does that every day, but it was like, you know, I thought if God did that every day, he would have helped those guys. <laughs> Detroit Lions win a Super Bowl. Anyway, here's the thing. God gives us clues, little signs that point up to say, I'm here. You can trust me. I'll tell you what, just in the bedroom upstairs, years later when Austin was a teenager. So my oldest CJ was probably 15. Austin would have been 12 or 13. Cody would have been about eight or nine. Ann and I scheduled a missions trip with Kensington to go to Africa with the boys and teach African pastors and their wives about marriage. It's where vertical marriage started. But the thing is, we had to raise $12,000 to go, $3,000 per person. And so I sent out my letter to all my people and said, hey, will you donate so we can go to Africa and have this incredible ministry? And nobody responds. Now, here's the thing. I was, I was sort of mad because when Steve Andrews sends out a letter to his family, because they have generations after generations of Christians and followers of Christ, grandparents, great, great, great grandparents, their, their dogs and cats are Christians. So he sends a letter out, he gets money. I sent a letter out to my family. It's irreligious. They send a, a note back saying, you want me to pay for your vacation? So I get no money. So it's Saturday night. I'm going to preach Sunday morning at Troy. I think it was our only campus then. And we have to have the money in by Monday. We don't have $12,000. We have like two. And so I'm praying with the boys in their bed. I remember I was on my knee beside the bed. And I said to them, hey, I just got to give you a heads up. I don't think we're going to Africa. Maybe I'm going to have to go by myself, but there's not enough money for us to go. And again, they're like, well, let's pray. And Ann's like, let's pray. I'm like, okay, go ahead and pray. But I got to be honest. I was like, you can pray all you want. 24 hours is all we have left. So I get up the next morning. I preach at Troy. This guy comes up to me after and he goes, hey, man, so you excited about your Africa trip? And I said, well, I don't know if we're really going to go. And he looks at me and goes, oh, you're going. And I said, no, you understand. I, you know, I need to raise $12,000. He goes, yeah, I know. You sent me a letter. I go, I know I sent you a letter. I said, but, you know, we're way short, almost completely short. And he goes, no, you're going. I said, well, I sure hope so. He goes, no, you're going. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I wrote a check for $12,000 for you guys to go to Africa because God told me to. And I remember sitting there going, oh my goodness. God, you are amazing. You are amazing. When a miracle happens in our life, they don't happen like that every day. 
I really don't. Not every day. But every once in a while, and most of the time we miss them. But here's what I do. When a miracle happens, you don't go and talk to the person who did the miracle. You, you look up. When you see a great painting, you don't walk up and say, I want to see the brush. <laughs> no, you want to see the artist. You want to meet the artist. God is the artist of miracles. And when Jesus was on the planet and he did miracles, he said they were signs that point to his father. They are signs that actually point to the fact that he is God. Now, you know, one of the things I love about the book of John, and I've studied it many times, is I love as you go back through the book, you can see all these signs. And Jesus is showing us that he is God. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this in less than two minutes. Some Somebody time me. I don't have a timer here, so I don't know what I'm going to do. You're going to have to send me a, a Facebook post. Tell me if I made it or not. But time me. I'm going to go through the entire book of John, 21 chapters, show you really quickly the signs in each chapter in less than two minutes. No, 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 less than three minutes. All right? Don't start yet. I haven't started yet. You ready? On your mark? Get set. Go. Here's the deal. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's saying that he was before creation with God. He existed and created everything. John chapter 2. We're going to look at that today. He turned water into wine, proving power over nature. John chapter 3 has a conversation with a religious leader named Nicodemus at night. So I call it Nick at night, where he talks about how do we get to heaven? And Jesus says, you must be born again. He doesn't know what that means, but he explains it later. John chapter 4. Amazing story about meets a woman at a well, and she says, we're looking for the Messiah. And Jesus looks at her and says, I who speak to you am he. He says He's the Messiah. John chapter 5, he heals a man, man who was a paralytic for 38 years. John chapter 6, he feeds uh, 5,000 people, really 15,000 people on a hill. John chapter 7, he says at the well, he says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink, and I will give you waters will flow out of you, promising the Holy Spirit in your life. You want life? He just told you where to find it. John chapter 8, all the Pharisees are saying, you're not greater than our father Abraham, are you? And he said, before Abraham was, I am. He quotes God's title for himself, I am. John chapter 9, he heals a blind man, and they go to find out how he did it. He said, that man has power to heal. John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd, you are my sheep, and they, they know my voice. Do you know his voice? John chapter 11, amazing, amazing story. We're going to look at this uh, week three. This is where he raises Lazarus from the dead and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And even though you die, you will never die. You will live in me. John chapter 12, he rides a donkey into the city of Jerusalem as the king, the suffering servant king for uh, fulfilling prophecy. John chapter 13, he washes the disciples' feet. The king of the universe serves his servants. John chapter 14, he says the most uh, offensive thing ever said in the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You want to find life? He just told you where it is. John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. John chapter 16, he promises that it's better that he goes away because he'll send us the Holy Spirit who will be his very presence in our lives. John chapter 17, he prays the Lord's Prayer. Not the Lord's Prayer you think. The Lord's Prayer, he says, make them, us, the church, one as you and I are one. John chapter 18, he gets arrested and talks about the kingdom of heaven being right here. John chapter 19, he's on the cross, he's crucified, and he said, it is finished. What's finished? His death forgives our sin. John chapter 20, he raises from the dead. He's alive, and he can give life to you and me. In John chapter 21, he forgives Peter, showing that his purpose is his death, his blood forgives you for all time and sends us on a mission to go change the world. There you go. Was that less than three minutes? I hope, I hope it was. Anyway, this book is incredible. In fact, I tell you, get one of these out, dust it off, and start reading this thing, John chapter 1, and follow through the book with us, because this truth from the gospel of john can literally change your life 
So let's jump into the first sign. The first miracle Jesus did is found in John chapter 2. And I want to read it to you first. I want you to just hear it. So here's what I want you to do. I know you're in a family room or a kitchen or a laundry room or maybe on a boat. Hope you're on a boat. Wherever you are, I want you to stand up right now. Even get your kids to stand up. Why? Because we're going to read the word. In the Old Testament, when the word of God was read, they stood in reverence. So I'm asking you to stand up in reverence and listen to the word of God. Read by my grandniece. I think that's what she is. Edie is my Anne's sister's son's daughter. And she's a precious little girl who's going to read the precious word of God for us now. Hello, everyone. I would love to read to you one of Jesus's first miracles. I hope you enjoy. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Each held from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called out to the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out choice, wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests had had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he reveals his glory and his disciples believed in him. All right, so you just heard this really pretty incredible miracle, his first impression at this wedding. Here's all I want to do today. I just want to walk you through that passage. I'm just going to take it verse by verse and say, what's in here for us to see as a sign for us to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and if we believe, have eternal life. So you go back to verse 1, and it says this, On the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, very north. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Here's what, what struck me. Why is Jesus invited to a wedding? Why? Because they like him. And they like his disciples. He brought joy. One of the things he's showing us in this first sign is his purpose of coming to planet Earth was to bring joy. He actually keeps a party going by showing up. So here's the thing that hit me. How many people want Christians, Christ followers, at their parties? <laughs> because we bring joy. So often we're never invited because all we do is bring judgment. And they don't want judgment. They want somebody that brings life and a smile and laughter. We Christ followers should be the most joyful people on the planet. Why? We know the end of the story. 
We know who Jesus was. We know his purpose. And he brought joy to a party. What about you and me? We are called to bring joy to the party. I'll tell you what. I'm married to uh, Anne, and you heard her last week on Mother's Day. She is a joy bringer. It just overflows out. I'm not saying she doesn't struggle. I'm not saying we don't both struggle and have hard times. But there is a joy that exudes out of her soul because of her walk with God. It's an overflow. And I tell you, our grandkids, the second Anne walks in a room, they run to her with laughter and joy because she just brings joy. I thought, that's a picture of Jesus. He brought joy. If we, if I'm a Christ follower, people should want me at their party. They should want you there to laugh and hug. Not to drink and get drunk, but to put our arms around them after after we can, after social distancing's over, and just be the life of the party. Jesus was wanted, and his disciples were wanted there. Next one says, in verse 3, it says, When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. So mom's getting involved now. She comes over to Jesus, and she says, They have no, no more wine. Now here's the thing. This was a big embarrassment for the wedding party. They were supposed to provide wine so the party could keep going and they ran out and so mom is coming to son and asking him to do something now what's really interesting i never saw this until i read the grave robber by mark patterson he made a note about how mary's words started a mission for jesus i want you to hear what he said he said this to you and me Patterson wrote, you are more than your professional identity, more than a doctor, more than a coach, more than an administrative assistant. You are an undercover prophet, strategically positioned by God to speak grace and truth. And when you do it, it sets the stage for miracles to happen. And it may only take one word of encouragement. See what happened is when Mary spoke, they have no wine. It's like a mom knew something about her son that no one else did, and she's speaking life into him, and he acts. We'll see in a second what he does, but he acts. When you, parents, speak life into your kids, it brings life. When we speak to others life, it brings life. I remember in second grade, I was in a speech therapy class. I couldn't go out to recess because I had to go to speech therapy. And my second grade teacher, Mrs. Tucker, looked at me one day, What am I, seven, eight years old, nine years old? And she said, David Wilson, one day you will be a national speaker. Why would she say that? She spoke something into me that I'm now living out. You have the opportunity to speak to your kids, to your neighbor's life. Jump down to the next verse. It says, Jesus responds, woman, why do you involve me? He replied, my hour has not yet come. Now, it sounds like a very cold response by Jesus, you know, but as you look at it in the original language of the Greek, it's actually my lady. It's almost like instead of saying, mom, you ever had that when your mom asked you to do something? Mom, he doesn't want to do that. So he says, my lady, it's very tender, actually. But he's also saying, my hour has not yet come. See, he understood. The second I do a miracle, I start toward the cross. He knew his hour was to come and die. She didn't understand that yet, but he knew this will start that journey. And he says, not my time yet, because he knew he was coming to die. In fact, in this miracle, look at this, is a foreshadowing of why Jesus came. He's going to turn water, which was used for purification, 
so that people could wash themselves and be pure before God, into wine, which represents blood, which washes our soul. That's all in here, right? So he's going to say the old is gone, the new has come in the way he does this. But we don't know that yet. Let's go back to the story. Verse 6. Uh, verse 5, it says, his mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. She had seen him do stuff. You know, who knows what it was like in their home. Maybe she's like, hey, Jesus, we need groceries. Can you just do that thing you do? And pff, groceries will show up. I don't know what happened. But she said, just do what he says. Verse 6 says, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So there again, there, this, these water, that water is there to wash them so they could be clean. And there's gallons of it, 120 to 180 gallons that Jesus is going to use this to take, again, something that was used to, to clean us from the outside to something that rep represents cleaning us from the inside. Verse 7 says, Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he took them. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into the wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Very interesting. And it? just a, a little side comment is who knew what happened? The ones who brought the water. Often when we sit in seats in church, we don't even know the miracles that people that are serving do. When you start serving, you get a glimpse at how God works. I would encourage you, step up and serving kids when we get back in the buildings. Step up and lead a small group. Watch people on their knees praying that God would move at our church, in our neighborhoods, and be a part of that. Because you'll get to see God still changes people's lives. It goes on to say this. It says, Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This was the very best wine probably ever created in the universe that he brought out to the to the end. And tell you, tell you what, if there's 180 gallons, that sort of plays out to 750 bottles of wine. There must have been a ton of people there because Jesus isn't making wine for people to get drunk. This wine was so watered down back in the day, it's nothing like the alcohol content of our wine today. You would have to drink much, much more. So that wasn't that. It was to save face for the wedding party. And by the way, just a comment here about alcohol and wine. Though it can be a, a great blessing to our lives, be careful. Even in this stay-at-home shelter thing, be careful. I grew up in an alcoholic home. There's no wine in this house because i got to be careful, just like you. Be careful with alcohol. Let me go back to verse 11. It says, when Jesus, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Notice something very important here. They believed in Jesus as the Messiah because of the signs he did. See, faith is not a blind leap in the dark. We don't just rub our feet together and wish upon a star that it's true. No, no, no. Faith is built on an object. It's not the size of your faith that matters. It's the object of your faith that matters. And that faith has to be placed in an object that's worthy. They saw who Jesus was and they had faith. The same is true for you and me. When we understand, and the Gospel of John will help you understand that, who Jesus is, 
The signs point to the Father, to Jesus being God, and we place faith in him. So here's all I want to do in my last few thoughts. I just want to apply this amazing sign to your, your, your life and my life. And I love, again, what Batterson said in The Grave Robber about this. Look what he says. He says, I love the fact that this first miracle, Jesus, is not about saving a life. It's about saving face. And it reveals how much God cares about the minute details of our lives. God is not great just because nothing is too big. God is great because nothing is too small. You get it? The first miracle, the first sign shows his greatness, but also shows how little things matter to God if they matter to us. I have to have one thought, one big idea of the day, and it's, and it's this. If it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. If it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. That's the heart of the Father. Man, something's a big deal to our kids. Even though we may not think it's a big deal, it's a big deal to us. Why? Because we love our kids. I remember years ago when my oldest son, CJ and Robin, bought their first house down in Ferndale. They wanted me to repair their, their stairs. And I'm looking at their stairs. Here's a picture of their stairs before I worked on them. And I thought, they're not that bad. I mean, they look pretty cruddy, but I don't have time to do this. I'm not going to work this in. But because they wanted it done, my son and daughter-in-law, CJ and Robin, what did dad do? Dad did this. See that picture? Huh? Pretty impressive. It took hours and sweat. But why did I do it? Because it was a big deal to them. It's a big deal to me. A few years later, they moved to another house. And they have to restore that one or two, which means I get to help. But anyway, moving into that house was a challenge. And we couldn't get their king-size mattress upstairs until we got this idea to take it through the back um, balcony. Now, who would do this? Parents. That's who does it. Look at this picture. That's me down at the bottom. I'm doing a whole lot. I'm just pushing it up. And you've got Ann, the mom up top. Cody's up top. They're pulling this thing in. Why would anybody do that? Because if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to your father. Here's what I want you to know. In this pandemic, in this stay-at-home shelter, that we don't know when it's going to end. Whatever is important to you is important to him. If it matters to you, it matters to him. And I think we can forget that in this pandemic. We can think he's gone, he doesn't see, he doesn't care, he doesn't know. Oh yeah, he sees you, he knows what's going on, and he cares about your life. And he's with you. It's what he wants us to know. And I know it can be scary. But in this pandemic, let me tell you, Jesus is our only hope. He's our only hope. You know, I jotted down that, you know, we think an economy, a strong economy is our hope, or containment's our hope, or science and medicine is our hope. And all those things are important. We should wear masks and we should be contained. And I hope our economy returns. But if we think that's our hope, we're in a dangerous spot. If we think our governor's our hope or our president is our hope, we're in a dangerous spot. Our hope is in the God of the universe who cares about our situation. And even though we can't always see it, he sees us, he cares for us, and he's with us right here, right now. I know there's fear. I know there's anxiety. One of my best friends just lost his job this morning. 
just lost it and doesn't know what the future is going to be. Close people in my life have lost their jobs and anxiety and fear and confusion is all around us. And in the middle of all that, Jesus wants you to know he's got your full attention. You've got his full attention. He's with you. He cares for you. He sees you. He truly does. And wherever you're sitting right now, know this. You can look up and know that your father cares about the details in your life because you care about those details. And he's at work right now. I think this pandemic is a, is a chance for him to reveal more than ever his heart for us and his power in our lives. I know we're scared. I know we don't know when it's going to end, but I do know this. He is right here with us. And here's the amazing thing about, about God. It hit me reading the Psalms this week. I'm reading through the book of Psalms right now. And in Psalm 46, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about this. It hit me that with all the millions of people around, God sees me and God sees you. How's that possible? I don't know. How can an infinite God care about 8 billion finite people individually? He does. Psalm 46, I read it just a few days ago, says, Be still and know that I am God. Boy, this pandemic has exposed anything. It's our weakness. We don't even know how to get out of this thing. We're making decisions in the dark. It's shown our weakness. And he says, be still. And right here in the middle of your weakness, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Selah means take that in your face. This is what's true. He's our strength. He's our fortress. He is with us. You know, interesting, we started a day, Davey was singing, so will I. Let me read you this lyric, it's so beautiful. He says, I can see your heart eight billion different ways. What's that lyric means? As we look at eight billion different people around the world, we see the heart of God in your neighbor, in yourself, in your family member. I see your heart. He says, every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Can I just say to the first responders, thank you for loving those who need help right now. And can I just say to all of us, Jesus loves every single person in the universe that he created. And he calls us as Christ followers to bring joy to them and to love them as he has. Love people of color different than yours. Stand up against racism to our brothers and sisters right now. We should be the light and love of God that shows the world that he loves everyone. And then the last line, I love this, it says, you're the one who never leaves the one behind. Here's what I want you to know. He sees you. You're the one. Your neighbor's the one, but he sees you. And he cares for you. And he's with you. And he wants you to know that today. And so as we end today, tell you what, we get a chance to sing. It's reading another psalm just this morning. It says, praise God with song. Praise him with, with singing. It's a chance for us to sing out what is true. What's really interesting, I got a few guitars laying around here. You know, Davey's going to sing this, this line that you're going to hear. 
and it goes like this, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Actually, Davey's gonna do a lot better. He goes, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down, you are dark times we can tend to think he's not good and he is going to let us down that lyric doesn't mean everything you want is going to happen the job may not come back the cancer may not go away that lyric means he's good and he'll be with you because he cares for you he will not let you down he will sustain you through this time with a peace nothing or nobody can give you a joy that doesn't come from this world. It comes straight from the one who is Jesus. So let's stand up and let's sing this thing. You can bring joy to your family. Run around the family room. Have your kids run around. Do whatever you want. This is a song that says he, Jesus, is the king of our hearts. Because you are good. You're good.
down And you're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down king of our hearts. And Dave, thank you so much for a great message. Thank you for the reminder that Jesus sees us. He cares for us and he is with us. I'm going to remember that as I walk through these next weeks and months. Also, everyone, we are just incredibly grateful that you joined us today. We'd love to have you come back for midweek next Wednesday. And then next weekend, we're going to be talking about the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So please come back. One more thing. If anybody would like to talk with someone or needs prayer, we would encourage you to go on to our kensingtonchurch.org website, click the chat bubble, and there's someone from our staff there right now who would love to talk with you or pray with you or answer any questions that you may have. So definitely take advantage of that. You guys are great. We enjoyed spending some time with you. Go out and enjoy the rest of your day. See ya. Mm-hmm.